Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to our uh, Facebook family as well. I didn't welcome everybody that's watching by Facebook, but thank you for tuning in and, and share that, like it. Let everybody know that you're watching, and uh, that'll be a blessing. Amen. Let's open up to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, and we're, we'll get started here. We've been uh, taking the last few few weeks uh, talking about the Lord's what we call the Lord's Prayer, but it's kind of a, a bigger... Uh, a bigger series on prayer in general that we that we're doing, and we're going to be looking at the different kinds of prayer and looking at a bunch of different things in the weeks to come. But we kind of got uh, not stuck, but we we jumped into the Lord's Prayer here, and and we talked about how that you know the one of the only things that the disciples asked uh, for Jesus to teach them about was how to pray. In Luke chapter eleven, it says that after Jesus came out of prayer one one day, that his disciples asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. And, you know, it is interesting, I've mentioned this before, but this is still just an, such an incredible thought to me, that, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the fact that if you think of everything the disciples saw, they saw Jesus raise the dead, they saw him multiply food, they saw him heal the sick, they saw him walk on water. I mean, man, there was just so much that the, that the disciples saw Jesus do, and yet the only thing we have recorded in his word is that they asked him, they, 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 the only thing they asked him to teach them more about was to pray. You know, I don't know. I, I thought it would have been pretty cool to walk on water. Jesus, teach me to walk on water. You know, Jesus, teach me to multiply food. You know, hey, cut down our grocery bill. That would be good. You know, teach us to, you know, teach us to do all this other stuff. But the only thing they asked was teach, teach us to pray. Well, why is that? Because they recognized that all of those things came out of Jesus' prayer time. And they, and they said this, I mean, and I know just in their mind, I mean, in my mind, I'm thinking they probably said if, if Jesus got all that through prayer, then we need to know how he prayed. We need to know more about that. So, so they asked him, teach us to pray. So as I, as I was, you know, looking at starting this, I, I came, you know, this scripture here in John chapter 15, verse 7 and 8 just rose up in my spirit. And we're using this as our base uh, scripture for this whole series on prayer. And John 15, verse 7 and 8 says this. These are the words of Jesus now to his disciples. And he said this. He said, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So, so we see here, we see here that, that Jesus said two things. He said, If you will abide in me, and my words will abide in you, then basically, we, paraphrasing the scripture, we can say this. If, you, if we abide in Jesus and his word abides in us, then we'll get our prayers answered. Amen. Those are two big things. Those aren't two little things. We have to abide in him. In other words, and you know, now we've been looking at the, the you can go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 6. We've been looking at this model prayer that Jesus told his disciples after they asked him to teach them to pray, you know, and Jesus kind of gave this outline, you know, and, and basically we can, we can incorporate those two things in John 15. If we abide in him and his word abides in us, then we, any, whatever we ask will be given to us. We can kind of incorporate that and look and see even how in, in Matthew 6, Jesus incorporated those two things into this model prayer. And, you know, we, we looked at, we, we mentioned four things at the very first of this series, and it's still, you know, these are four things about prayer that are very important, and, and I, I just want to keep reminding you of them. Number one, prayer works. 
You know, I mean, if you don't pray, then you'll never have answered prayer. <laughs> you know, if you pray, then, then we should expect our prayers to be answered. And if we're abiding in Him and His Word's abiding in us, then, then I believe we can see our prayers answered. Amen? So prayer works. The second thing is this. Prayer and God's Word go hand in hand. You can't really separate the two. If, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. So we have to have His Word. We have to be students of the Word. We have to get the Word of God in us. You know, uh, I, I've heard people say that the Word's not important anymore. We have the Holy Spirit and, and different things like that. But listen, that, that's not true. We need both the Word and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We have to have His Word. His Word is His instruction book for us. His Word is, it tells us and guides us. It's a, it's a road map that leads us to Him. I mean, you know, yeah, it is true. When, you know, once you, once you get to your destination... You know, you can put the roadmap away, but here's the thing about the Bible. The Bible is, is a roadmap constantly leading us to more and more depths of, of God. Amen? So the, the, road, the, the roadmap to God will never be satisfied. In other words, you'll never get to one place until we get to heaven. When we get to heaven, we won't need the Word anymore because we'll have the Word. Amen? We'll have Jesus Himself. Amen? But here... But here, you know, Jesus is always, the Word is always going to be important to us. The Word is always going to be the, the thing that keeps us grounded. The things, you know, you'll never, you'll, never find, uh, you'll never find a contradiction in what God wants to do and what His Word says. Amen. If you get outside of His Word, then, then you know, you're, you're getting on shaky ground. And, I mean, so, you, you know, His Word is important. Prayer and His Word go hand in hand. The third thing we talked about is this, is that prayer builds intimacy. I've heard people say that, that you know, they don't know how to pray. They, they're uncomfortable praying. You know, like we have, uh, uh, you know, we used to pray on Sunday nights, and now our Wednesday nights are kind of our prayer time, and, and we, we incorporate worship in that too. And, and I've had people tell me, Pastor, I, I don't know that I could pray an hour. I don't know what, I wouldn't have that much to say. Well, here's what I always tell them. Well, listen, you don't have to, you don't have to necessarily think that I have to pray an hour but here's what it is. Once you start communicating, once you start talking to God, once you start praying to God and, and, he, and he starts talking back to you, it will build an intimacy. You know, and, and I mentioned this, you know, no, nobody has trouble talking an hour or two to their best friend. You know, you can pick up the phone and, and call somebody and, man, you know, you can look down and an hour, two hours go by just like that and you don't even know it. Well, that's the way it is in prayer. When you build intimacy with God... You know, you can, you can spend an hour and it'll seem like five minutes. Unfortunately, most people spend five minutes and say it feels like an hour. You know, because, because really and truly, to be honest with you, it's because of a lack of intimacy. It's, you know, if you look at prayer as, as religion and you look at prayer as something you have to do and you look at prayer as, as uh, you know, something like a chore, so to speak, you'll, you'll struggle in prayer. You know, you'll have a hard time spending 30 minutes in prayer. But once you realize and once you get into the flow of prayer and realize that prayer is nothing more than intimacy with the Father because it's communication. We define prayer just simply as communication with God, meaning that, that it's a two-way communication. It's not one way. It's not us just dumping, dumping our load on God, telling Him everything we need, and then leaving. But it's, it's us talking to God, but also God talking to us. It's a relationship. It's, it's communication back and forth to God. So, so when you, the more you pray, the more you'll see that it builds intimacy and a, and a relationship with the Father. And, and there again, His Word goes hand in hand with that. 
And then the fourth thing we talked about, and man, this is, this is so important for us to know and understand, is this, is that Jesus hears you when you pray. Amen. First John tells us that, that this is, that says we can have confidence to know this, that if we know that he hears us, then we can have confidence to know that we have the petitions we ask for. Why? Because we abide in him and he abides in us, and whatever we ask will be given. That's the confidence. And, you know, prayer works. Prayer and his word go hand in hand. It's intimacy with the Father and that he hears us when we pray. Man, that's, that's four big points, and that will help you in your prayer life. Amen. Let's turn to, to Matthew chapter 6, and let's dive back in here to the Lord's Prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer. We've talked about this the last three or four weeks about it, about really this is a model, this is a, an outline, if you want to call it that. Uh, Jesus didn't want us to pray this prayer word for word and have that to be the only thing that we say in this prayer. You know, because right before this, he said, he said, don't use vain repetition. Or in other words, don't use the same words every time you come to prayer. You know, don't, don't just say a, a rote prayer and, 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 and let that be the only prayer you pray. But Jesus said, after this manner, pray. In other words, he said, he said kind of here's a rough outline. Now you fill in the blanks. You know, you fill in the blanks in what you need this day. And, and so it starts in Matthew chapter 6, in verse number 9. Jesus said this, and I'll read down through 13, and then we'll kind of come back and, and fill in, where, pick up where we left off last week. In verse number 9, it says this, In this manner, therefore, pray. This is Jesus. Remember, in Luke 11 is the scripture where it says the, that the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray. Matthew 6 doesn't have that account, but, but in, Luke, in Luke 11, you can see the Lord's Prayer as well. But this in Matthew, or Matthew 6 here is where we're taking it from. But uh, So Jesus said, in this manner, or after this manner, pray. And he, and he said, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So we've already looked at three things here in in this prayer. The first one being, you know, how it starts out saying, Our Father. God is all about family. He's all the kingdom of God is all about family. It's never about just me and myself. Now, our relationship with God, our salvation is a uh, is a personal thing. Salvation is, is, you know, we can say Jesus came and died just for me. I mean, that is a true statement. If you were the only one, he would still have come and died for you. But he died for everyone, right? I mean, we know that. Um, but, you know, so, so here, Jesus, in his description of the model prayer, he said this. He said, he said start out understanding that, that God is all about family. He's all about kingdom. He's all about uh, the bigger picture, not just me. So he said, start out saying, our Father. In other words, you know, so much of the time we see people, and, and, and the enemy will do this to people, and, and, and sometimes we don't even realize it, but he'll try to isolate you. He'll try to get you to get away from the, from the, from the crowd, so to speak, and just try, oh, I've, I've just got to get out by myself. I've just got to be by myself, and, and, you know, I can't be around other people. Well, the king, you know, family is all about being together. It's not about being separated. Amen. Now, there are times, because we understand even before this, Jesus says, when you pray, 
go into your closet to pray. So we understand there are times that we get by ourselves and pray. But there's other times we come together as a family and pray. Amen. So he said, our Father in heaven. So the first thing he wants us to do is to connect. Jesus is saying, make sure that you see God for who he really is. Connect to him as your Father in heaven. Don't just think you're talking to uh, you know, some, some star up there or some supreme being that you don't know about. But he is our father. He's our father. He's, he's dad. He's Abba. He's Papa. You know, I mean, he is our father and he's in heaven. Man, I was, you know, I went out early this morning and, and was praying. I got up and, you know, I took, took my, our dog outside and, and she was doing her business and I was just standing out there, you know, just looking up at the stars and, and it was still dark and, and there wasn't hardly a cloud in the sky, man, and, I, and it was just so beautiful. You know, the stars were still, there was not, not full, but, you know, there were still quite a few stars out. And I was just thinking, man, God is up there in heaven, and he's looking down here, and he knows my name. You know, he knows how many hairs I have on my head. He knows more about me than I know. But yet, he's still Papa. He's still Daddy. He's still Father. And he loves me. You know, so the first thing, when we come to God, we have to understand who He is. He's Father. He's Dad up in heaven. Amen? I mean, He's, he's our Father in heaven. Then He says, hallowed be your name. So we have to make sure that we keep His name holy. Now, this is a big one, and a lot of times we don't think about it, and, we, and we've already taught on this. You can get the tapes or uh, see our online, you know, on our podcast or uh, on my Facebook. You can see all the videos. But, but keeping His name holy... We talked about how God, God introduced himself or revealed himself in the Old Covenant by covenant names. And, and we talked about just a few of them, but we talked about like he is Jehovah Rapha. He's the Lord who heals. He's Jehovah Jireh. We're going to talk about that some today, about provision. He is the Lord who sees and provides. He's Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. He's Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner. He's Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. And see, and what happens is this, to keep his name holy... To, to be able to say, hallowed be your name or, or your name be holy in my life, we have to take who he is, his names, and believe them and, and accept them for that. Because when any time that we take, uh, for, for example, he's the, he told us he's, he's Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. So any time that we're not at peace, any time that we allow fear and, and worry and stress and all of that stuff to invade our life, you know, we may not be saying it with our words, but what we're saying it is what we're saying is this: my circumstances are so great that it is it is taking the place of peace in my life. And and once we allow that to take the place of peace, because He is Jehovah Shalom, to keep Him holy or to keep Him to keep Him in my life as Jehovah Peace. Uh, Jehovah Shalom, I have to see him and I have to accept him as the, my peace. And once I allow stress or fear or, or, or you know, uh, any, of those, uh, any of those things to come in and displace him, then what I'm saying is, you're really not the peace I need. This is greater than you are. And, and, and we can say it this way. This is a, kind of a harsh way to say it, but it's true. What we're doing is we're taking his name in vain. We're saying Jehovah Shalom means nothing to me. I'm letting fear and worry and stress override me, and I'm letting that overcome who you said you are. So you're so really and truly, we could say it like this: I believe you're lying to me. I don't believe you are Jehovah Shalom. 
And that's hard, but listen, when Jesus said keep his name holy, that's what he's telling us to do. We have to keep him set apart and saying, you're Jehovah Shalom to me, and if I believe that, then I should have peace in my life at all times, regardless of the circumstances going around me. How many times did Jesus tell us in his word, do not fear, do not worry. He didn't say try not to. He didn't say, he didn't say you know, well, if you can, don't let this happen. No, he said, do not do it. How, why would he tell us to do something that we, that we couldn't do? He didn't. So what, what he's saying is this. What Jesus was saying in that situation was this. I am, he was saying, and the Father is saying this through Jesus. What he was saying is, I am enough in your life. I'm enough peace in your life to keep you from fearing and being in worry and stressing about anything. If you look to me, if you look to me and keep your eyes on me, my peace will override anything that you come through in your life. So see, in our life, when we come across... Now, that doesn't mean that fear and worry and stress won't come. They'll come. You know, and they will be there. I mean, they, the opportunity for you to fear and worry and be in stress will be every, every hour of your life. You know, there'll be something for you to fear. There'll be something for you to stress about. There'll be something for you to worry about. But, the, but here's the, the key, and we talked about this last week, about Matthew 6, right after this, this prayer, as Jesus is still teaching, he, he said this statement. He said, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added. So how do we do that? We keep our eyes on Jesus. We trust Him. We, we above everything else, we say, no, I'm not going to allow that fear and worry to dictate my, my response here. My, my response is going to be out of peace because he's Jehovah Shalom to me. His name is holy. His, I'm, I'm, I'm exalting Jehovah Shalom over this fear and worry because that's who he said he is. Man, that's awesome. You know, and that's how, that's how we, that's how we um, you know, that's the model that here that he's given us. So then last week we talked about verse number 10, and verse number 10 says this, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We talked a little bit about the kingdom. Now listen, I, you know, it's impossible to teach on the kingdom of God in one week. I, I talked for 50 minutes last week or whatever and, and just barely touched on the subject of the kingdom of God. But, but basically what that phrase means, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's, it's kind of like a uh, stair step thing here. We connect to him as father. We see him as father. We understand who he is. He's Jehovah Shalom. So the next step is this, and, and exact, it's exactly what, we just, what I just did about praying or saying, I see you as Jehovah Shalom, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk in peace instead of fear. So when he says, your kingdom come, your will be done, we talked about how that, that really is a statement. The original Aramaic says it this way. It says, kingdom of God, come. Will of God, be done. So what it is is this. When we see him as Jehovah Shalom and we say kingdom of God come, what we're saying is we're saying peace, you displace fear and worry. Be it on earth as it is in heaven right now. Because see, in heaven, he's not up there twiddling his thumb saying, what are we going to do? He's not, he's not at home looking, sitting, staring, Googling what's, what's, you know, Googling what's the symptoms of this disease. Do I have this? So see, he's not up there doing that. So what happens is this. We say, kingdom of God, how it is in heaven, come in my life right now. 
And see, once you connect to Him as Father, you see Him, you have word on it. Remember, we have word. We, we know who He said He is. He's revealed Himself as Jehovah Shalom. So we have word that He is my peace. So therefore, I can declare, peace, come. As it is in heaven right now. Peace, come in my life right now. And that is a, that is a correct prayer because, because Jesus said, pray this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You are holy. I believe you are who you said you are. So therefore, since, since you are who you said you are, then I want that in my life right now. Kingdom of God, come. Will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven. So then, so, and we talked about that last week, so you can get that message last week. So then we come to verse number 11. And 11, 12, and 13, kind of they shift from, um, you know, they shift from seeing him as he is and, and, you know, understanding who he is, kingdom of God come. Once that happens, now we kind of turn, we can kind of turn and talk about now, now that I understand that and now I see you as who you truly are, now let's talk about my needs. And, you know, let's, let's turn to, to what, you know, what I need, Father, and, and how this is going to play out. So notice how, notice there's three things that we're going to look at. We'll probably just get to the first one today. But there's three things here, he says, in, in verse 11, 12, and 13. He says this, Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So there's three things there. Bread, he says, give us this day our daily bread. Forgiveness, forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then temptation, deliver us, don't deliver us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It, now, and, and we're going to look at those three things because they, those, those three things cover every area of our lives. Now, the first one we'll look at today in verse 11 says, give us this day our daily bread. It's interesting that all three of them, notice that it's still plural. Jesus didn't say, give me my daily bread. He said, give us our daily bread. Um, you know, so, so that is still, you have to realize that God is still talking about kingdom. He's still talking about when you're in the kingdom, it's, you're concerned more about, you're concerned more with, with everyone else than you are just about yourself. You know, so he says, give us this day our daily bread. Now, the word bread... Um, and I could give you the original language and stuff, but but I I'm not I'm I have a hard time speaking English, much less Greek and Hebrew, right? So so the word bread, just take take my word for it. You can look it up and study it, but but the word bread throughout the scripture speaks more than just food. It's not talking about just give me give me pizza today, Lord, give me a hamburger today, Lord, or something like that. When he said, Give us this day our daily bread. That word bread covers all of everything you need today to sustain you. It's talking about food. It's talking about health. It's talking about, you know, I mean, it's talking about every, every, basically everything you need to sustain you for your life. That's what that word bread encompasses, okay? So, so when he says, give us this day our daily bread, don't look at it as only food, okay? This is encompassing everything you'll need. Now, when we talk about that, as we, as we look at this, you know, um, one of the big areas that, that we'll look at today, um, and, and what I want to look at today is this. These next three things, I've just entitled this next part of this series, 
this week and, and the next couple of weeks as kingdom living. This is kind of how to live in the kingdom. Now that, now that we've said kingdom of God come, will of God be done, now, now Jesus is kind of saying, now here's how you live in the kingdom. Here's how you pray for things in the kingdom. Give us this day our daily bread. So, so sustain us today. Give us what we need today. A couple things as we get started in it. Notice he didn't say, give me enough for the rest of the month. Give us enough for the rest of the year. Or things like that. What did he say? He said, give us today. To me, what that speaks of is this. We need prayer every single day. You don't pray enough on Sunday to get you through the week. We need Him every day. We need Him every moment of every day. So this, you know, our prayer time is not something that, that you know, it's kind of not like a fuel tank from the sense of we go to the fuel station and, and go to the gas station and fill our tank up and we're okay till it gets to empty again. You know, we don't really have to worry about it. That's not like your prayer life. Your prayer life is an everyday thing. Your prayer life is, you know, to be sustained in prayer and to, be, and to live the kingdom life we go to Him every day. We, we are, you know, and Jesus even said those things. Pray continuously. You know, you know this, it's a continual prayer that we're praying, right? And so He says, give us this day our daily bread. So I want to talk about a little bit, uh, kind of about the financial side of this this morning, about generosity. You know, because, because here, and, and you'll understand why when I get into this, you'll see this. But, you know, one of the biggest stresses that we'll have in our life is financial stress. And, you know, when he says, give us this day our daily bread, remember, like I said, we're not talking about just food. We're talking about everything it takes to sustain us. So, so financial stress is one of the top areas in our lives that, that, that we need to establish the kingdom in. You know, God gives us so many warnings about greed and about covetousness and, and things like that. And people, a lot of people take that, and say, see, God doesn't want you to have money. As a matter of fact, look at, uh, look at Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10 for just a second. Jesus was teaching here. Um, let me find this scripture here. I think Mark 10 was the right reference. Da -da 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 -da. Yeah, Mark chapter 10. Look at like verse 17. This is the story of the, the rich young ruler. And remember, we're talking about, I want you to see this, because we're talking about kingdom living. And we, last week we looked at, at Matthew 6, about down in verse 33, where he said, Seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness, and, and all these things will be added to you. So here in, in, in uh, Mark 10... Verse 17, it says this, Now as Jesus was going out on the road, one came running to him, knelt down before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments, Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And this gentleman answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him. I love how Jesus never condemned anyone but the religious people, you know. I mean, the ones that thought that they had everything. This it says Jesus looked at him and loved him 
and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven, and come and take up your cross and follow me. But now Notice verse 22. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now, one way I like to, I like to rephrase that a little bit and say, because great possessions had him. Because look at, look at what, Jesus, what Jesus went into right after that. Verse 23, it says, Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? Now, let me, let me just stop right there and say this. Uh, I know when you talk about finances, people get uncomfortable. And people, you know, sometimes, you know, people don't like to, to hear finances preached on and things like that. But this is an inter- the next verse is very interesting to me because Jesus made this statement. He said, how hard is it for, for one to have riches? He said, he said, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? Now, if the disciples were poor and had nothing and were, were, had the poverty mentality, they would have been saying, amen, that's right. You tell them rich people. They, they, that's what they would have said. They would have said, you tell them rich people. You know, yeah, they need, to, they need to share their wealth. They need to give it away. Give it to us. But look at the disciples' reaction here. Verse 24 says, And the disciples were astonished at his words. Why do you think they were astonished at his words? Because I think they had money. I think they, I mean, not, not, that they were, not that they necessarily were millionaires and things, but I'm just saying, when Jesus made the statement, how hard is it for he who has riches to enter the kingdom of God, it shocked them. They were like, huh. then what about us? They were astonished that Jesus would make such a statement. Go on, got quiet in here. Y'all all right. Hold your breath, you'll be there. You'll, I'll, I'll get you out of it. <laughs> but Jesus answered again and said to them, now listen to what Jesus, how Jesus replied to them. Jesus says, children. So in other words, he, 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 he was kind of telling them, okay, this is entry-level stuff here, guys. This shouldn't astonish you. He went, you know, he said, children, little kids, listen. He said, children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. How hard is it for those that trust in riches? He didn't say, he didn't say if you have money, you can't go to heaven. He said, he said, but how hard is it for those that trust in riches? Now, why would he say that? Because they just saw this rich young ruler who came to Jesus. Jesus, show me how to get eternal life. Jesus said, keep these, keep these commandments. I've done those since my, since my childhood. In other words, this, he was an upright citizen. He, he, this guy, this rich young ruler, lived a good life. He, he, not like he was a bad guy. He said, I've, I've kept those commandments, you know, ever since I've been old enough to do it. And Jesus says, one thing you lack. He said, go sell everything you have, give to the poor, and come follow me. And it says, he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. 
and, and we said that great possessions had him. So what could we deduct from that? We could deduct that this rich young ruler was trusting in his riches to get him eternal life. If Jesus had told him, oh, well, give a big offering and you can have eternal life, that rich young ruler would have been happy because he had money. But Jesus says you got to, you got to, in order to enter the kingdom, you have to give up your trust in riches and trust me. He didn't say you had to give up. See, here, here's what I'm convinced of. I'm convinced that if this rich young ruler, if this guy right here in, in, in Mark 10, if he would have said, okay, Jesus, I'll do that. If he had went and gave everything he had away and came and followed Jesus, I'm convinced that, that we probably would be reading about somebody greater than Solomon following Jesus. In other words, I'm, I'm convinced that, that God would have multiplied it back to him time and time again what he had. If he, if he had given up his trust in riches and put his trust in Jesus. But unfortunately, he went away sad because his trust was in riches and not in Jesus. And Jesus told, so Jesus corrected his disciples' mentality, his thought process. Remember, what, what is, what is uh, we talk about how we have to repent. You know, what is repentance? Repentance is changing your mind, changing the way you see something. See, a lot of people need to repent of covetousness. They need to repent of trusting in riches. That don't mean you've got to give all your money away. That don't mean you can't have things. We just have to get to the place where we don't trust in our riches and don't trust God. Now, and I will show you this in a couple, a couple ways today. So then Jesus said this, he said, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter in the kingdom of God. And then they were, and it says, and they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with man it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. So see, it takes, it takes God's help to let go of things, to let go of trust of things, and to trust Him. Okay, so we see that. Look at, um, look at Matthew 6. Turn back to Matthew 6. I should have hit this one before. But Matthew 6, verse 21. Now, this is Jesus. This, of course, is right after when Jesus is teaching on prayer. You get down to verse, verse uh, 19. We'll start with verse 19. And he says this. Do not lay up for your... This is Matthew 6, 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust decay and where thieves break in and steal. Now listen, is he telling us not to have a savings account? Is he telling us we can't have anything? We can't, we can't uh, save for our future? We can't, you know, we can't make plans for retirement? We can't make... He's not saying that at all. What's he saying? He's saying you've got to trust in him, not in your riches. How many of you know that in one day, if you're trusting in, if you're trusting in your 401k... How many of you know you could lose your trust in one day? I mean, in just, well, not even one day. In one, at the opening bell Monday morning, every bit of your riches could be gone just like that. And what Jesus was saying was this. It's better to trust in me than to trust in that. Not that it's wrong to have that, but just don't put your trust in that. Put your trust in me. Because listen, Brother Hagen, Brother Hagen taught this when he talked about finances. 
one, one, one time in, in one of Brother Hagin's visions, Jesus came to Brother Hagin in, in one of his face-to-face visions where Jesus was looked, at, looking, was looking at Jesus in a vision. Jesus told him this. Jesus says, if you will learn to listen to me, I will make you rich. Now, what about that? Well, I thought a rich man couldn't go to heaven. No, Jesus, listen. He didn't say a rich man couldn't go. He said the one who has his trust in riches. Jesus himself told Brother Hagin, if you will learn to listen to me, he said, I'll make you rich. In other words, he'll tell you where to invest your money. He'll tell you, he'll tell you what to buy and what not to buy. He'll show you what to do and what not to do. Come on. I mean, man, that's, I mean, that's good news. That's kingdom living. That's not, you know, that's not putting your trust in riches alone. That's putting your trust in Him and letting Him tell you what to put, where, to, where to put it and how to do it. But Jesus said this. He said, don't lay up for yourself treasures on the earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy where thieves do not break in and steal. Now listen to verse 21 because this is the key. For where your treasure is... There your heart will be also. See, God is a heart God. He is all about your heart. He is more about your heart than He is about anything else. He, he want, he, because, see, your heart, your heart is, is true. Your heart will reveal what you truly believe. And see, when, and what, when God, what He's saying here, what Jesus was saying here was this. Wherever, you, wherever your treasure is, whatever you put your trust in, that's where your heart's going to be. And, and heart belief, the beliefs of our heart influence everything in our lives. And if our heart, and if our, if our, if our heart is in money, then your trust is going to be in uncertain things. If your heart is focused on God then see, the finances won't even be an issue with you. Seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. So the kingdom of God, the Bible says actually, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. You know, so, so righteousness, peace, and joy should be, should be what, we, what we are living in. Now, turn to 2 Corinthians. I want to I focus on this just for a few minutes here and we won't be too much longer this morning. 2 Corinthians 9. There's three, and there may be more than this, I don't know, but there's three areas of, of uh, prosperity, I guess, or I don't know how, I guess that's the best way to put that. There's three different levels. The first one is poverty. You know, you don't have anything. And, you know, and, and, uh, and actually, to be honest with you, even people that have money can still have a poverty mindset. You know, because see, really, to be honest with you, prosperity is not about how much money you have in the bank. Prosperity is really about the, the condition of your heart and what you're trusted in. Because I've known people that have, that have a whole lot of money and still have a poverty mindset. I've known people that, are, that have nothing and, and they're, they're the most generous people I know. So the, the amount you have in your bank account doesn't dictate whether you're generous or, 
or whether you're in poverty. You know, that's, see, just there again, that's, that's, the, that's the mindset, that's the uh, renewing of our mind we have to do. We have to get our mind off of just finances and get it on where our heart is with this. The second area is just barely getting by. You know, you go from poverty to just barely getting by. Get, barely getting by is when you, when you run to the bank to deposit money because you just wrote a check you don't have money for. Money in there for. It's standing in line uh, at, the, at the cutoff date of your power bill so your power don't get cut off. That's barely getting by. You know, probably all of us have been there, right? And, and you know, uh, it's better than poverty, but it's not much better. You know, you're just, you're just running, always running, trying to, trying to meet every need and everything. Then there's abundance. You know, there's, there's more than enough. There, there's the area where we want to talk about this morning in this scripture of being a generous heart, having a generous heart, being a generous uh, giver. Um, I looked up the word generous because that was the word the Lord kept giving me. And, and listen to this here because we're going to see generous here in this this passage, these next couple of scriptures we're going to look at. Generous means this, liberal in giving. And I like this, this definition, open-handed. Being generous is open-handed. And then another, another definition is marked by abundance. Marked by abundance. So I, I like to be generous, amen? Let's look here in Second uh, Corinthians 9, verse 6. And for the sake of time, let's just, we'll just read this from the Amplified. And we'll just, just take this from the Amplified here and, and read it. Second uh, Corinthians 9, verse 6. Remember this. Remember this. He who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. He who sows generously that blessings may come to someone will also reap generously and with blessings. Let, let each one give as he has made up his own mind and purposed in his heart. You know, Paul talked about that a little bit today. I mean, listen, being spirit-led in your giving, that's a huge part. So let each one give as he has made up his mind and purposed in his own heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion, for God loves. He takes pleasure in. He prizes above other things and he is unwilling to abandon or to do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in his giving. What a verse. You know, just like, just like this morning, we, we you know, I, I, I said, you know, I, I announced that we had a need in our family. And, and, man, you guys stepped up. I have no idea how much we gave, but I'm sure the, the need was more than enough met. And, and here he said this. He said, you know, Paul was teaching to the Corinth church, and he told him, he said, listen, he said, you know, that God, uh, just read that verse again. I mean, verse 7 is such an incredible verse. Let each one give as he has made up his own mind and purpose in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. Now listen to what says God loves. For God loves, he takes pleasure in, he prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or to do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in his giving. Whose heart is in his giving. Remember the scripture we saw. Where your treasure is, your heart will be. So here, he says, he says, whose heart is in his giving. So his heart, your heart is in blessing other people. Being a blessing to someone. 
The Bible says God takes pleasure in that. And He rewards that. Man, I mean, that is an incredible, that's an incredible verse. But here, verse number 8 is probably my favorite, one of my favorite verses. I love this verse. Verse number 8 says this. Now listen to this. And God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing, come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. So see, here, here's, you put those two verses together. When your heart is in giving, when your heart is in blessing other people, when your heart is in being generous and helping other people, it's not, it's not all about I'm just saving for me, 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 and I don't care what happens to anybody else. I've got enough for me and my four, no more, and I, you know, I'm not giving away anything. But when your heart is in, you know what, there's a need, let, let me help meet that need. My heart is in seeing other people blessed. My heart is in helping other people. My heart is in, is in if I hear a need in the body, man, I, I want to be the first one to sow into that. I want to be the first one to see that need met. Because you know why? Because the reality is this. The more I help people, there'll come a time when I might need help. And, and what about this? What if people helped you the way you helped others? You know, where's your heart in that? Where's your heart in giving? Not that other people can see, not that other people pat you on the back and say, oh, you're, you know, because, you know, it's funny, but, but unfortunately it happens way too often. You know, people, people know, people know, you know, that somebody may have money or whatever, and, and they make sure when they're around them praying, you know, they speak loud enough to where they can hear them. Oh, God, you know I need my power bill paid today. You know, if I don't get $100 today, man, I were cutting my power off. And then that person has a heart to give, so, so they hear that, and they're like, well, I don't want his power to get cut off. So, you know, here, I'll, I'll bless you with $100. And then, and, oh, thank God he met my need. Now, listen, he didn't necessarily meet your need. You just said it in front of somebody that had some money, and they blessed you. <laughs> you know, it's not that we, say, it's not that we, we put our needs out there to where everybody knows everything. We need to trust God. Now, there's nothing wrong, now, now hear me in that, I mean, that's kind of a funny thing. There's nothing wrong with letting people know that you have needs. But just don't make it a habit. Don't become one that you're always looking for somebody to give you something. See, this verse, this is the type of person we want to become, verse 8, who says that, that the grace of God, great, God gives us the grace of generosity. He graces us with, with giving so that we have all of our needs met without anybody having to help us. Come on. You know, that God blesses us, that His grace abounds toward us in abundance so that we have every one of our needs met, and then when we, have, when we hear of another need, we're able to bless them with that. Man, verse 8 is a goal for all of us. That's where all of us should be. The grace, and it says God is able. God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing, come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support, furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. Hallelujah. Let's read the next couple of verses and we're going to see about tying it up here. 
As it is written, he, he, the benevolent person, scatters abroad. He gives to the poor. His deeds of justice and goodness and kindness and benevolence will go on and endure forever. And look at verse 10. And God, who provides seed for the sower and bread for eating, will also provide and multiply your resources for sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness, which manifests itself in active goodness, kindness, and charity. Thus, you will be enriched in all things and in every way so that you can be generous and your generosity as it is administered by us will bring forth thanksgiving to God. So Paul, in that, in that passage, he was receiving an offering for the Jerusalem church. And he was telling them, because of your generosity, we're going to be able to bless another, another body, another church, right? So listen, so we want to be generous. When we pray, God, you know, give us this day our daily bread. What, what we want to pray is this. God, thank you that, you know, thank you for the grace in my life to be generous so that, so that not only will my needs be met, but I will be able to meet other people's needs. That's kingdom living. Now you might say, Pastor, I just don't, I don't, you know, I just don't know whether I agree that God wants us, wants to prosper us financially and stuff. Let me give you about six or seven scriptures. And you can write these down. We won't even have time to put them up on the screen. I'll just give them to you, tell you what they say, and you can go and study this out. Deuteronomy 8.18 says this, It is God who gives us the ability to obtain wealth. God is the one that gives us that ability to begin with. Psalm 35.27 says this, God takes pleasure in the prosperity of His servants. Galatians 3.13 tells us we are redeemed from the curse of the law. Part of the curse of the law is poverty. We're redeemed from poverty. Joshua 1.8 he, Joshua 1 8 says, you know, if, if you'll keep my word, keep my, keep my word before you, do all that my word says to do, it says, then, then you will make your way prosperous. When you keep, when you do what God says to do, there again, going back to John 15, when I abide in him and his word is abide in me, that's when I'll become prosperous. Joshua 1 8, look that up and you see that. Psalm 23 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What the Moffat translation says, I will lack for nothing. Come on, man. That's, I mean, that's the way God wants us to live. Psalm, um, Psalm 35, 27. I already said that one. Um, Proverbs 10, 22. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Now, one last. Turn to 1 Timothy. Let me show you this one, and we're going to finish it up here. And then we'll go back to, to Matthew real quick. But 1 Timothy... I'm in First Peter. That won't work. First Timothy, six, verse seventeen. And this is going to say the same thing we've been saying this whole time. Now this is this was Paul talking to Timothy now, and he says this: First Timothy six, seventeen, eighteen, and nineteen. Paul tells him this. He says. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. So he says, don't trust in riches, but trust in God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. So don't, don't put your trust in riches, but trust in God who gives us all things to enjoy. Let them do good 
and that, that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Man, I mean, so, so here, as Paul was teaching Timothy again, he said, don't trust in riches, but trust in God. So going back to the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer, he says, give us this day our daily bread. What, what does it take to sustain us? What is kingdom life really like? What does it look like to live in the kingdom? The kingdom of God, living in the kingdom, is not, well, I got my needs met, I'm okay. It's not, you know, I don't really care what happens because, hey, my bills are paid. You know, so, so I, I, hate, I hate somebody else is struggling, but, but my bills are taken care of. That's not kingdom living. Kingdom living says this, I thank God for the grace of generosity on my life to where, yeah, my needs are met, but you know what? I got enough to help other people. I hear of a need, I can, meet, I can help meet that need. You know, I can give, I can sow, I can, man, I hear the church, I hear the church needs, needs something. Man, here, let me write a check. Let me take care of that. You know, oh, this family over here needs this. Uh, uh, you know, they need tires, they need, they need food. Oh, here, let me go to the store and just go ahead and take care of that for them. See, that's kingdom living. And it's not, and see, see, because here's the thing about kingdom living. It's not, any time that God asks you to give something, it's never the fact that He's trying to take something away from you. It's always the fact that He's trying to make room for more to come into your life. We talked about that, about how that, that it's not, it's not, it's, it's not that God wants us to get rid of stuff or wants us to have nothing. But what he says is this, I want, I want to make room for you. I want you to give so that, so that, I can, so that you can have room for more, Gener- to be generous, to be open-handed. You know, if your fists are closed, if you take the money you have, the, the wealth you have, the, and even the time, and even your, I mean, it's so much more than just money. I focused on, on financial this morning, but, but it's so much more than that. But if you take what you have and keep it tightly in your fist and, and clenched, you know what? If I wanted to give you something, I wouldn't have nowhere to put it. I couldn't get any more in there because you're holding so tightly onto what you have. But the but the def, the, the definition of generous is to be open handed. To be open handed is like this. And if somebody wants to bless me, then they can put it right there. I'm open handed. I'm generous. You know that that doesn't mean I hold on to everything I have, but I'm open-handed, and I, you know what? I'll help you. Because why why would I want to help you? Well, because I know this. Because if I help others, then I know that God will make sure that my needs are met. You know, he he won't let he won't let somebody minister to the poor or minister to somebody in need and then have them go without. God's not trying to take things away from you. He's trying to get you to a place where He can bring more to you. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, may your grace be so, so abundant on me in generosity that even, even when I hear of a need today, I'll have enough to help take care of that need. You see, that is, that is kingdom living. And that's when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, even in our finances, even in our giving, even in blessing people. The Scripture tells us that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And if, and if you're not a big giver, you may not understand that. Well, I like to receive, man. I like people giving me stuff, you know. But, you know, but, but in reality, you know what? Yeah, I mean, it's good when people bless you. And it's, I mean, that's, that, I mean, 
you know, but, but it's so much better when you have it to bless others. You know, if you have a need and people have to bless you because of that need, man, I mean, it can, that can be a very humbling position. I mean, you know, to, to have to ask for help or, or people just to bless you. But you know what? When you have it, when you're the one blessing, man, I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the part we want to be at. We want to be, we want to be the one that say, you know what? Hey, I've got all my needs met here. Let me bless you. You know, let me help with that need. Let me take care of that. Amen. And that's, that's kingdom living. And this, this framework that Jesus prayed here in, uh, in the Lord's Prayer, that's what he's talking about. He's not talking so much about, about just, being, just, just praying just for my needs. Because remember, he said, Let, you know, give us this day our daily bread. And he didn't say just give me enough for me and my family. He said to give us. Because, because listen, we're all family and we help one another. Amen. And it's, it's just it's the fact that as we help one another, then it opens up the door for more blessings for us. Amen. So, so one, one aspect that we looked at today, one big aspect of kingdom living is being a generous, a generous giver. Being generous in your sowing. Next week we're going to look at the, the next one where it says forgive us our debts as, as we forgive our debtors. That's a big one too. Forgiveness is a big part in that. So, but anyway... Uh, so that that's that you know that's where we are today. We want to be generous. We want to be that Second Corinthians nine verse eight person who always has enough, always has our needs met, and we want to bless other people as well. Amen. Be be a generous spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Well, let me pray for you, and we'll finish up with that. Let's bow our heads just for a moment, and let me just pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your love. I thank you for all that you're doing in our lives today, Father. Lord, my prayer today is this, this. Father, we, Father, I so want to understand even to a deeper level about kingdom living. Father, Holy Spirit, help reveal to us. Show us what it's like to live in the kingdom. Jesus taught so much about the kingdom. He, for 40 days after his resurrection, he talked about, he taught about the kingdom. So help us, help us understand kingdom living. Give us this day our daily bread was the, was the part that we looked at today, Father. And, and help us understand and to see how important it is, not only that we pray and, and have our needs met, Lord, but, but understanding and knowing that when we seek first the kingdom, that all these things will be taken care of. And, Lord, when you put it on our hearts to help others, that we sow into other people's lives and we, and we help other people. And then, Father, the, as we help others, then even all of our needs will be met as well. So I thank you for that. I bless you. I honor you. Father, I pray blessings on each one here today. I pray, Lord, that, that we all have the opportunity to be that generous giver, to be generous in our spirits, Lord, not only with finances but with time and with wisdom and, and every other area of our lives. Father, I thank you for that. So I pray blessings on each one today. And thank you for just for loving us and being so good to us today, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let me mention one thing before we go this morning.